I'm going to continue tonight um, from what I had done, I think it was last week. Uh, who's God? <clears throat> uh, last week was part one, and of course, uh, tonight will be part two. You know, uh, I chose this topic because it's a topic that hardly anybody speaks about for obvious reasons. Uh, uh, but the truth is, it's a critical topic. It's very crucial because, listen, you know, the Rabbanu Shalom, God, we pray to Him all the time, right? We think about Him, hopefully, all the time. And He's obviously the centerpiece, if I may use that word, of the entire creation, right? Uh, so, like I said then, last week, I said it's amazing how little we know of God, you know? And not only that, but what's funny is that everybody's got his own conception of who God is, you know, if he's a Sephardi, then maybe he's wearing a turban, <laughs> if they wear turbans. If he's a um, Hasidic guy, then of course he's wearing a Shreimel, right? And so on. We tend to view, <coughs> you know, God in terms of what we feel is our value system or what's important and so on, you know? And that's what I really come to uh, really correct. <coughs> because who the Rabbanu Shalom is, is absolutely astonishing. Now, last week I went to three, I, I had the analogy of an elevator. We were going to an elevator, we go down one floor, we, it opens up and we have a certain perception of God. You know, we're going down, not as opposed to being up, you know. Uh, and at that perception, if you recall, I said that the Rabbanu Shalom is absolute oneness which means that a being of the nature of God cannot be duplicated. It is existentially impossible for there to be two beings like God. And I went into those ideas last week. So God doesn't have relative unity, which means God just doesn't happen to be one. He's absolutely one. You cannot have a being like the, with the characteristics of God, the Rabbanu Shalom, that there should be two. Second thing, then we went down one more floor, and I said that the Rabbanu Shalom is simple. It's called Pashtus, Pashat. The Rabbanu Shalom is Pashat. Uh, what does that mean? And I mentioned what that is. It means he's, uh, he's, uh, there's only one thing called him, there are no parts, and he's indivisible. And I mentioned certain other things which are very important that there's no such thing as any kind of multiplicity with God. There's no such thing as two. He's a single entity of which we cannot understand, like I said last week, because we have 100 trillion cells. He has no cells, he has no parts. And whoever he is, is indivisible. So you can't even cut him up, I mean, if you could, and so on. That's the concept of he's indivisible, because he's partial, he's simple. I also went to something which was very important, uh, and, and that is that, <clears throat> that the Rabbanu Shalom is identical with his behavior. <laughs> like I used an example, somebody who knows something. So the, this subject, grammar recognizes three things. There is a subject, the one who knows. There is the knowledge itself, it's called the object of the verb, right? Uh, and, then there's, and then there's the act of knowing, which is the verb, right? So you have subject predicate for those who remember their grammar, you know? Anyway, <clears throat> but the Rabbanu doesn't have that. And the Rambam says this very interestingly, you know. He says that the Rabbanu God is identical to the knowledge, Tim, And it's identical to the act of knowing itself. 
Now we don't understand how that, what that even means. Like the Rambam says, we could hear it, but obviously we have no concept of what that can possibly mean, and so on, you know. But the main idea, why? Because God is Pashat. There are no parts. Even his behavior is him. He's identical to his behavior. You see, now if you're scratching your head and wondering like, what in the world is this? Everybody scratches their head, and the Ramam also scratches his head, and he says that we have no concept of what this means. We can just talk it, say it, right? But that's what it is. <clears throat> because it, it all emanates from the Mida of called Pashat, one. Oh, actually, actually, the word is singular, single, you know. Um, then I mentioned something which is very important, and then I mentioned that there's a problem because everything has at least two things. There is the thing itself, its characteristics, its essence, whatever it is, and that thing has existence. You see, it is, it has being. Now, we don't know what existence is, we just know the results of existence is that we are, you know, but we don't know what it is to be, what is in us that makes us be. That's the concept called existence. You see, so I mentioned that, wait a minute, if everything has at least these two things, right? It has its essence, which is its characteristics, whatever it is, right? And it exists. You see, so there's two things. So I mentioned something very important. And that begins to really uh, tell us uh, what the nature of the Ransham is, at least so far is that God doesn't have existence. He is existence, which is a very important distinction. We have it, you see, and therefore it could be taken away from us. He doesn't have it. He is it. Like I said, Pashat means God is identical with whatever he has. It's him. So therefore, God and his existence is identical. It's the same thing, which means that he is existence per se. Now, nobody knows what that means, you see, no being, uh, even the highest malachim cannot fathom what that means. Because we've never seen existence separate from a thing, an object. There's no such thing as existence walking down the street, right, by itself. Therefore, nothing, no, no being can understand what that is. What is pure existence or existence per se? And I mentioned that it answers many, many different questions in terms of the Rabbanshim's attributes. That's why he knows everything, he's omniscient, that's why he's omnipresent, he's all over, uh, he's omnipotent, he can do anything because he's existence, and he can make exist whatever he wants. You see? And I mentioned also that's why he's Murchachametzius, why God must exist, because if you take it away from him, it's him that you took away. See, a being that has existence, you could take that away and it vanishes. But if God is existence, then uh, how you take it away? Where's he going to go? It's him. You see, anyway, which is a very important concept. And I mentioned, uh, you know, other ideas. And also what we see, and that's why the Moshim's Shem is Yudke Vavke. Because the word Yudke Vavke is from the verb Lihiyos, to be. And the Moshim says, I am being. I am existence itself. Fine. So we got, that was the second level or door that opened, the second floor. And then we went down to a third floor. Uh, what was the third floor? And I mentioned something which, uh, again, is beyond our ability to understand, you see. But I want to tell you something. What am I really doing? I'm telling you what Echad, Yochid, and Meyuchad is. Ramchal wrote a whole sefer on Taktut Tfilis, 
where he keeps going Echod Yochad Miyuchad that Rebunshim is Echod one means he's externally one he cannot be replicated right he's Yochid he's single that's the concept of Pashtus Pashtus simple and now I'm going to tell you Miyuchad he's unique what does that mean and, and, and I mentioned that it doesn't say Enoi Kamoyu there is nobody like God it says Enoi Mervadoi besides God there is nothing else like the uh, Rabbi Chaim Volozhin says in Nefesh Chaim, he says Enoi Mervadoi Mamish that's what he says you know and, and Mamish doesn't mean well whatever and so on anyway that's what he says <clears throat> what does that mean and I explained what that was uh, that God is uh, he's the only thing that really exists that, and that's because he is existence we who have to be given existence right we don't really exist even after we're given existence because in the end it's him you see and we emerge from him but we don't understand our own non-existence we can't penetrate that because if we understood how we non-exist guess what we would non-exist you see and it's interesting there are malachim that go higher and higher in their understanding of the Bersham and they're about to break into the understanding of what is Enad Mavadoi they disappear because it's a steer it's, it's a paradox you can't know he's the only thing that exists and exists to know that right so that's the end of them anyway although at least they tried and anyway <coughs> so the Bersham is an Enad Mavadoi and I mentioned the, the example of a dream, which I think is a great example. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, two guys talking in a dream, and one guy says to the other, you know, the guy's sleeping on the couch, he's real. We're a figment of his imagination. If he woke up, we would instantly disappear. That tells you, uh, to a certain extent, that he really is. He is real. And everybody else is just, uh, we are, in many ways, a mental image of him. But the interesting thing about it, which is, impossible to understand is we are not even a mental image of him why because the Mosham says and I have not changed what do you mean you haven't changed there's you before the creation and then there's you after the creation so you changed there was some type of a change there was an action that you didn't do before but the Mosham says I have not changed is an absolute which means that and it makes sense when you say that we don't really exist we have no really understanding of how. But we do exist relative to each other. You see? It's very important. So whatever that means, we have an existence relative to each other, but not in real terms. <clears throat> okay, so that's what I mentioned uh, last week. And by the way, I mentioned also that that's what the Yidin, that's what the Jews saw at Har Sinai. Like it says, At the das, you have been shown that you may know, God is the Lord, the Master. Enoid Milvadoi. Milvadoi, besides him, Enoid. And Rashi says, there's a Rashi right over there, and it says, and this was the Giloi, the revelation at Mount Torah, the real Giloi, is that the Bosham, he says, opened up the heavens and he showed the Jews, Shahu Yehuda Shal Oilam. Yehuda means he's the only one that is. He's the singular guy in the entire Bria. You know, and, and so on. Anyway, <clears throat> so these are very important ideas. And that's how I ended off. And then I asked, well, are we going to take an elevator down to the fourth floor? Is there a fourth floor? Another perception of God. And the answer is, there is. 
Would you believe it? There's an actual figure. Wait a minute. You know, we, we, we've already covered basically the most profound understanding. Most people don't have this understanding of the version and so on, you know. But there is a fourth level. See? And I'm going to tell you the fourth level. And the truth is, it's the last level. Because you'll understand why. <coughs> the question is this, which is a very interesting question. We know that the Rabban Shem is a boyray, and we know why, because if he's existence, then he can bring anything out of nothing. Because he is existence, he merely gives it existence. Anyway, the question is this. Does anything coexist with God? In other words, what did he create? That's the question. We know he created Bracious Borel Kim, the beginning God created. So it's interesting, you can ask a question, wait a minute. We know you created everything, you know, but was there anything that you didn't have to create? In other words, it coexisted with you. That's a very interesting question. And the answer is astonishing. It's a very good question, by the way. Does anything coexist with God? And therefore he didn't have to create it because it coexisted. You know what I'm saying? And the answer is, everything is created. Everything. That means there is nothing that exists with God. Nothing. It's just Him, and that's it. He is the sole occupant of reality, which is far bigger than the Bria, you know? Now, what does that mean? You see, what does that mean? So you got to be think of this. Now, this shear, what I'm about to give you, is abstract. But I'm going to try to explain it as best I can. You walk away with an understanding, I hope. Okay? And, uh, but, <clears throat> you, it's, it's a funny place to be because there are obviously ideas that you, we have no idea how it works and so on. But you will have that understanding and you will have an appreciation of who it is that you pray to, you see. <clears throat> nothing coexists with God at all therefore he had to have created everything okay now what does that mean well to know what that means we have to understand what does it mean to create everything what is everything okay there are three basic things that he created and then of course each one is a category of almost an infinite amount of things first thing he created Objects, things, matter, right? He created matter. And we know that according to Einstein, right, matter is nothing more than condensed energy or frozen energy. Therefore, matter is just another form of energy. Therefore, he created energy. So he created matter and energy. Those are called objects, right? We know he also created, and actually these are the, uh, actually I can tell you, there are seven fundamental concepts or constructs of the Bria that he created. One is he created time, time, right? Which means that it's the duration of matter or existence. We don't know what that is. But anyway, he created time, right? He created space. He created matter, right? And of course, energy, right? He also created, right, life, where things animate itself, right? Move around. Although sometimes you look at people, you wonder if they're alive or dead. But anyway, that's a, that's a philosophical question. But anyway, you know, so he created life, right? 
And then he created what's called consciousness. Nobody knows what consciousness is, you see. You have living things, you know, like plants. Do plants have consciousness? There are people that say yes because they talk to their plants, right? And so on, you know. But consciousness, whatever that is, right, the ability to be aware, created that, you see. <clears throat> now, then he created, of course, the spiritual universe, includes the neshama, he created the malachim, right? He creates the physical universe, everything. Those are all the objects that comprise the entire Bria. That we know. Okay. Second thing he created is what's called abstract ideas. See, we don't really recognize them usually. For instance, the, con <coughs> the concept called war. War is a concept. Love, right? Peace, justice. These are ideas, you know, you know, uh, th th there's no such thing as justice walking around, but he created the concept. So he also created the concepts of the entire Bria. Important idea, not just the objects, you see. He also created what is called <clears throat> the rules of reality. Now whether we know it or not, reality has rules. Okay, what does that mean? For instance, can something exist and not exist at the same instant in time? The answer is no. It either is or it is or it ain't. One of the two, right? 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 You can't have, there's no middle. It's called the law of the excluded middle, right? You either exist or you don't. There's no middle here, you see? So that, that, that's a law of existence, you see? Or another law of existence, for instance, you know, can something be, right, and, and, and not be? Now, the first one was there's no middle. You either are or you're not, right? This one says you either, you either are or you are not, right? right? Which means there's no, you can't be, be and not be at the same instant in time. Not only is there no middle, you cannot have both states at the same time. That's very important because our logical thinking is based on that. Imagine if you have a contradiction. So something is A which contradicts B. What's the problem? Because A can be B and B can be A at the same time. So there's no contradiction. You see? And that, so that is a fundamental law of reality. Well, he created that too. It was he had to actually create the rules of reality which we live and we, we, we assume them to be, right? But he had to create them also, okay? So, he created objects, everything. He created all the concepts about these, about everything. And he created the rules of existence. You see? He created it all. So then the question is, who is he? If everything he did if everything is created, everything, right, then <clears throat> who is he, really? You see, what, it begins, what you begin to realize is that <clears throat> there's no word to describe him at all, because that would have been a created entity, you see? In other words, any word you're going to use to describe <coughs> him is created, so it can't be him, because he was before the creation. So if that's the case, then what word can I call him? Nothing. 
nothing. Because there is no word that will in, in any way describe him because it doesn't coexist with him. It was created. So how do I refer to him? You can't. Interesting. Because there is nothing that refers to God. That's why it says in the Posuk, it's in the Navi, Ve'amita damyuni ve'eshve. Ve'amita damyuni, who are you going to compare me like? Ve'eshve, and I will be comparable to that. You can't. You can't say, well, God is like this. No, because this is a created thing, right? If it's created, then God certainly is not that. You see, so, you, in, in many ways, you cannot talk about God because there's no vocabulary, right, that applies to Him at all. You see? It's very interesting. So the question is, wait a minute, you know, we daven, we pray, we talk to Him. I mean, the Nevi'im talk to God. You know, so who in the world are they talking to? You know what I'm saying? So that's what we have to begin to think and understand. So what the Barsham did, now I call this Atzmusoy, whoever he is in himself. Right? We don't know. Like I said, everything is created. So Atzmusoy, you know, whoever he is, wherever he is, and whatever he is, he knows. In fact, the only one who knows who God is, is himself. That's it. You see? And he knows himself, not because he has to think about who I am. You know, he knows himself through himself. We don't know how that works. Okay? But the Barsham decided. Now, decision is a created concept. You see? It's what's called, all of a sudden, everything emerged in an instant, and this is part of the creation. God created what's called a bubble. A bubble. That's why I characterize it. Not literally, but figuratively. And, what God, and God is outside the bubble. Now, what God decided to do is create a bubble, and He was going to make the creation all inside the bubble. You see? He's going to create objects, ideas, and reality, all in the bubble. But He is outside the bubble. We have no idea what does it mean to be outside the bubble, because there's nothing that refers to Him. You see? So the Bosham created everything within a bubble, so to speak. Very important idea, and a bubble is just a metaphor, right? Fine. And then he decided, and he said, you know, in this bubble there's so many different ideas that I just gave rise to. I'm going to adapt some of these ideas and assume them as my personality. So you who are in the bubble can relate to what's ever in the bubble, right? And I'm going to tell you that I'm going to adapt right, certain ideas in the bubble, and I will always act that way. As far as you're concerned, that's who I am. These are my characteristics, and so on, you see? And that's what he did, you see? So he created what's called a bubble, and he adapted certain ideas in the bubble. What ideas did he create? Did he adapt for himself? Okay? And this, by the way, becomes the Shekhinah. Shochem means to dwell. In other words, the way we perceive God is whatever's in the bubble. But God said, the Marsham said, that he's going to adapt to certain ideas in the <coughs> bubble. What are some of the ideas? You'd give me this. The Marsham says, I will always be, right? Rachum Chanun. Erechapayim, Rav Chesed Ve'emes, and so on, you know? In other words, what the Marsham has now decided is he's going to pick a costume, a guise, that he's always going to act 
as and you will relate to that guys you see but he's outside the bubble so all the medias of the Islam, it's not him it's what he created and he adapts as his costume as his character traits or his character profile and that's how we relate to that profile very important idea <clears throat> Is the Bansham really a Rachum, a merciful, compassionate? Of course he is. But he's not really that, because Rachmim is a created idea. The ability to be merciful or compassionate, right, which means to overlook things that, uh, that the person does not deserve, is a created concept. But the Bansham said, you see that concept that I created called Rachmim? I will always behave that way. You see? So all of the Yud Gimelmidis don't really, are not him. They are really costumes or garbs or what's called levush. They are his garbs that he dons and he wears, you see? Now as far as we're concerned, we relate to him that way. But that's okay. You know, there is no way to go beyond the bubble. Because then you're in a territory, right, that doesn't exist. Uh, because nothing coexists with him, you see? So therefore the Rebbeinu creates what's called a character profile. And that character profile is all the Yud Gimamidas. And many other things where the Rebbeinu creates, you, we see from the Torah that he communicates with Moshe Rabbeinu, Avraham Avinu, right? So communications or the ability of somebody to tell you what I'm thinking, right, through the uses of language, right, is a creative concept. So we see, hey, the Rebbeinu talks, the Rebbeinu remembers, he certainly seems to have a memory, right? Not only that, he seems to have power, what he did to Egypt and so on. These are all created ideas that he adapts as part of his character profile. <clears throat> what was that? Even though that's not his atzmius. Atzmius, yes. But it's not contrary to his atzmius. No, 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 there's no such thing. It's not contrary to his atzmis because his atzmis is nothing that we know of. I could be contrary to that. We don't know what he is in a positive way, so we don't know what's contrary, right? If you don't know A, you cannot know its opposite called B. We don't know what A is. But we can assume it is consistent with all these things. Consistent with? Whatever, however he... It's consistent with his rotsen, his will. This is what he wants. That's all. He decided, this is the way I want to act and behave toward the beings in this bubble. You see? That's what it is. That's his rotsum. And even his will is a created entity. That's why it says, Yehi rotsum mefonecho, may be thy will before you. What is that supposed to mean? It should have said just, may be your will. What kind of a thing? How do you say a will before you? Have you heard a person talking that to another guy? Maybe the will before you? You don't talk about that like humans, right? Nobody has a will before them. The Bosham does because he creates the will, right? That itself is a nivra, is a creation, and then he does what he wants. But the will itself, whatever he wants to do, itself is created. You see, when you, when you begin talking about the Rebbeinu you've got to come up with a, a different, it's a different type of, you know, uh, understanding and profile, you see. So everything is created instantly. The will is created, right? And then the action is created, and so on. What? What was that? It's created for us. What was that? It's created for 
I can't hear you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for us, yeah. Now, but at, so therefore, we now begin to understand that the Bansham is atzmusoyloinoida. We don't know what God is. Because any word that you can say, this is you, right, is a created word, which therefore cannot be him. So that's out. Not only that, but all the meters of the Bansham, which we ascribe to him, is also not him, but he decided to adapt it as a personality profile. So as far as we're concerned, that's him, you see? But you have to always be aware he's beyond the descriptions in the bubble itself. Very so important God, idea. Some people might what was that? take this to mean that God, let's say God has love. Hashem has love for, for people, for Christ. Um, a person might say, well, he doesn't really have love, he's just acting it out. So what would be the approach to that? I want to tell you something. If somebody loves you and they behave toward you as if they love you, right? What's the difference, really, in the end? He loves you. He displays love. Does he have to actually feel the love? You know? Does that make him less of a lover? As they say? <clears throat> We're concerned with what the Bansham does, not with what he is. That's the uh, very important idea. And as far as he's concerned, he loves. He will act to you in a way that displays love infinitely greater than your wife. <laughs> now, I, don't, I don't know if that's saying much. <laughs> Depending on who you talk to. <clears throat> you know, so you're going to ask yourself, wait a minute, you know, do, you're going to ask God, do you really love me? You know, you really love me? You really feel this? God says, you listen, you know, I don't feel anything. Feelings are nivra, a created idea. I don't feel anything, you know. I will to love you. And believe me, it's a lot more than you're going to get from your wife, right? So when he's uh, I don't want to antagonize women, but I'm just trying to give an example here anyway. Well, then you're our mothers? <laughs> your mothers, whatever, anyway. Okay. Now, wait, wait. <clears throat> this is what the Shekhinah is, basically. A Shekhinah is God in his personality of what is in the bubble, of what we can relate to. But God is always consistent and is always infinite in that middle, that attribute. In other words, you cannot get a, you cannot be greater in that attribute, right? Like him. It's just that we're not talking about a being that experiences it. He, it's a, it's a, it's a, a idea or an emotion that he wants to adapt vis-a-vis -vis his actions to you. You see, <clears throat> now. Some people are going to ask, well, when you pray, who are you praying to? You know, are you praying uh, to, to God, that's Musoy? Are you <coughs> praying to Shekhinah, which I will talk about? And the answer is no, you're praying to Atzmusoy. We don't know how that works, you know, but God hears exactly what you're saying in and of himself. You see? Beyond the bubble. What? Atzmusoy is beyond the bubble. Beyond the bubble. I mean, whatever that, we don't know how that works because hearing isn't the thing that he has, you know. We don't even exist in that sense. Watch. But anyway. Penetrating beyond the bubble. In that sense, yes. But anyway, well, now. What you've really done, you've destroyed the third level. The third level? No. I'm about to enter the third level. Now you're going to say, wait a minute. You just said that God is existence itself, right? But we now realize that what is that supposed to mean, God is existence? Is existence a created entity? 
That's a very interesting idea. Is the actual phenomenon of being, existence, did that coexist with God? But then something coexisted with God, his existence. It comes out something very interesting, that what the Roshim did is he created a representation of himself, you see. And that representation of himself is called Einsoif. You see. Einsoif is not God. It's a Nivro. But it is the greatest thing ever made. It's the top of the rung. Einsoif means infinite, you know. But God is not infinite. There's no such thing as infinite by him. Because that's a word. The, the idea that numbers never end is itself a concept. But God has no numbers, right? And therefore, they there's no such thing as the numbers never end. Because he doesn't even have numbers, you see. <clears throat> but what he did is he created the greatest thing ever made based on us, which is a representation of himself. And that's Einsoif. See, and that be thing called Einsoif, we, we, uh, that's the being that is existence itself. And that is the being that has Enid Mulvadoy. What he created is something that has nothing with it. You see, he's beyond that. But in the bubble itself, the Einsoif, the infinite thing, or, you know, is a representation of the Rabbanu Shalom that we can relate to. And the fundamental idea of that Einsoif is that it is existence itself. And therefore it's an Einoid Novadoi. You see, it's the only thing that is. Now, the next thing, remember, but it's not that Einsoif is different than God. In some way it's a representation of Him. You see? It's the image of God when it's said made. It's just called Einsoif. Now, but the representation of the Bershom, and that's, by the way, the highest level of Shekhinah. The divine presence, the greatest level of divine presence that exists, so to speak, is the Einsoif. That's a Shekhinah. There are many lower levels of Shekhinah in terms of what God wants us to perceive of Him. But that idea of Einsoif is, an ex is a, a being that represents the Rabbanu Shlom. But it does not go beyond the bubble. It's within the bubble. You see, now, the Bosha wanted to do something. He wanted to create what's called a Zulosoi, an other. Because the Ain Soif is Eino Milvadoi. There is nothing but the Ain Soif in, in, within our context, right? It's the only thing that, because existence is the only thing that is. There is nothing else. But the Bosha wants to create a Zulosoi, means something which is other than the Ain Soif. You see, and that's a concept which the Bunch himself created, the concept of an other. You see, it's all uh, creations, you see. And therefore he creates what's called, beginning to create different worlds. You know, without getting into the Kabbalistic, he creates the, what he called the, uh, the Cholol and the Rishimo and all that, and, and so on. And ultimately, God creates five different worlds or five different realities, all inhabited with other, just different others, you see, and, and so on. So this is basically the way it operates and see, you know. But now, <clears throat> what is interesting, any, any questions so far? Because this is really abstract. Yeah, 
two things. Who's, who's I think questions. So who's responsible for creating that? The angel who created the, the new Olamos or is Atmos who created the Olamos in conjunction with the angel? Well, that's like asking if you have a hand, who's doing it? You or the hand? Which? It's a relevant question. It's the same. There is nothing independent of God, but in some way, we don't know how. God outside the bubble can relate to the Ain Soif within the bubble. But the greatest form of existence is the Ain Soif. In fact, the Ain Soif is existence. And but yet it's it, you can call it, it's the hand of God. But we don't know how does outside get the inside unknown. Oh, that destroys number no, three. To understand who Rabban really is, you have to destroy number. You have level three doesn't apply anymore. No, the ain't so if is level Yes, but Atmusa is beyond Three. Yes, but level three, which was existence, ain't above Vadoi. That's ain't so. That's correct. Asmusa goes beyond. Asmusa beyond is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. When we say kuchu bruchu, there's no such thing as existence without asmusa. No what? No such thing as existence without No such thing as yeah, yeah. But remember, it's not like the these are created rep. The ainsof is a created representation of the rabbanu shalom. And the, the very important characteristic of the Ain Soif, but remember, it's, it's not God. The Ain Soif is not the Rabbanisham. You know, you cannot characterize and say the Rabbanisham is infinite, you see. But certainly, as far as we're concerned, the Ain Soif is like the hand of God, even though it's not God, you see. And, and that is existence per se, okay. And then what the Rabbanisham does is he wants to create a concept called an other. So therefore, he's now going to make realities apart from the Ain't Soif. We don't know how he does that, you see, but he does, and therefore he creates five realities, which are all other than the Ain't Soif. And the Ain't Soif is not God, but it is the greatest representation of the Rabbanistan, you see. So therefore, we are now looking at a, uh, you know, uh, a great deal of variations. As far as we're concerned, when we, when we pray, Right? We don't pray to the Ain't Soif, we pray to God. Whatever, whoever, wherever, whenever He is. That's who we pray to, the being called God, right? But in terms of creating a reality called a Bria, a creation, it has to start with something, right? You, if you're starting with a reality called a Bria, it has to start. So what Dubonshim does is, like I say, creates a representation. You know what it's like? I, I, sometimes I use this example. For instance, imagine you, want to, you, have a, you have an appointment with the king. Yes, with the king, right? Wherever they are, right? And you go into the throne room, right? To the throne room, right? And you, all of a sudden you see, you see something. You see a suit, but whoever is wearing the suit is invisible. You see. So the suit, or the royal, the crown, the crown is floating on air, as it looks, right? And there's no head, but there is a lavush. There is a garment, you know, the royal robes and so on, right? But you don't see a being, you see? But you do see the royal robes and the crown. So when you talk, who are you talking to? Well, you're talking to the lavush, the, the uh, garment, right? And, but you don't know who is under the crown, you see? So under the crown, 
and wearing the lavush, the garment, so to speak, right, is atzmusoy. But we cannot in any way conceive. The lavush, however, we can relate to. But it's not a good example because ain't so if you cannot even relate to the lavush. That's the problem. I'm giving you an example where you can actually see the garment. But really, the ain't so if it's not the garment, it's almost like a garment in a garment, you know, and so on, you know. Uh, but the ain't so if, which, like I say, is the representation of God, right, is the greatest reality of all, okay? And after that, God now makes Zulosos, others, and now begins to create many different realities. Uh, that's a very important is, is idea. Into yes. Yeah. Yeah, because the Ain't Soif is a created entity of the greatest of all. In fact, the Ain't Soif is Ainud Muvadoi. It is pure existence. You see, that's what it is, right? And therefore, we cannot connect with that. You see, now pure existence doesn't allow anything else to exist because it's the only thing that is. You see, so in some way, all of this is allowed because of an operation called Simpson retraction or contraction. We don't know how it works or whatever, but in some way, uh, the Ain't Soif, which is the highest level of Shechina, is able to contract itself, which is a very poor usage of English, or restrict itself and allows, uh, allows something else to emerge, the potential of an other to exist. And that's the bubble. And that is, no, this is all within the bubble. That's called, in Kabbalah, it's called a Cholol. The Cholol is a hollow. You see, so the Ain Soif creates in itself, so to speak, a hollow, and within that hollow, there's the potential of an other to exist, and then it begins to create others, five realities. You see, it's very abstract, but it begins to tell you that you know, and I, you know, I always, say, I always get a kick out of religions. Yeah, I once read a whole article about it. I don't want to say which religion because it's, you know, they were arguing with God, a man or a woman, you know. I said, excuse me. I mean, it's almost like a bunch of infants arguing, you know, over, over God and so on. That's the level of the understanding and so on, you know. Masculinity and femininity is a created entity. Those are roles designated, you know what I'm saying, uh, for humans, for nobody else. A God is so beyond the bubble, of course it's absurd. You see, so, so these are very important ideas. Now, I want to tell you something that shows you the power of God. You have a question, what? When God told Moses, you could see my back, but you can't that, see my face. That's Am the, I correct in saying that he couldn't, God didn't say, I don't want to show you my face, can't, can't see, see it. it. It's and, not possible. And live. And live. Correct. Okay. So is there anything truly a created entity? If everything's an emanation from the Rabbanishon itself, yeah. can you really create anything? Huh? <laughs> you understand what I mean? He created the Bria. What you call creating is like something from nothing, but everything emanates from the Rabbanishon. Well, in that sense, everything emanates from the Ain Soif, which is existence itself. So, you know... It's nothing really truly created. You, want, you can say that, yeah. But then the Ain Soif itself was created from nothing. So, you know, it depends how far back you want to go. Now remember, all the representations of God are really different levels of the divine presence. You know, 
the highest level of divine presence is the Ein Sof. We have no, no, you can't see Ein Sof. You, you you cannot in any way see or experience an Ein Sof. It is unknowable. Atzmusoy is forget about it. That's completely unknowable. Ein Sof is completely unknowable because it's pure existence. You see, we don't know what kind of being that is, you know. Yet after that, in, in what's called in the first reality, called Odom Kadman, whatever, which is Odom Habbo, by the way, you can. So God created therefore many realities, five of them. Uh, one, of course, is Ak, Odom Kadman, Yavatsilus, Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya. That's what they are termed in Kabbalah. And there are many different levels of reality that have different uh, resonance of those realities. You see, but the higher you go, if you reverse it, go from Asiya to Yitzira, right, to Bria, and then to Atzilus, and then to Adam Kadmon, you are experiencing more and more of the Shechina and less and less of yourself. Zulosai begins to take a back seat. Uh, you know, not to the extent where you disappear, but you get, and Adam Kadmon, which is the first reality created, is really Oilem Habo, and it is a reality that <coughs> You experience God in a way we have no comprehension. You experience the Ainsoif, remember. But you don't really experience the Ainsoif as it is, because it's too high. God, in terms of Atzmusoy, forget it. You see, Ain't, now. Ainsoif and Adam Kartman, names that are interchangeable. No, they're not interchangeable. They're different. Yes, different. Now, Kuchibruchu God, refers to Kuchibruchu's terminology. Kuchibruchu refers to Ein Sof. right, refers to, well, even though I called Ein Sof Shechina, but it is so high, Shechinte is all the revelations of God down, you know. What does that mean? Well, you, what you want to really do is, what God ultimately wants to do is He wants to remove the, the uh, veil and ultimately reveal himself in the greatest way possible that a created entity can experience. We don't know what that is, because even in Oilem Habo, it's an infinite ascension, infinite, which is amazing. That means that whatever you experience about God in the future world is different than what you experience Him in the next day, or the next hour. Now, we don't want to know what that means. Yeah. Well, that's what we're davening for? That's what we're davening for? That's what we're davening for? Well, yeah. Yeah, that the unknowable should uh, should be able to be revealed and become more and more known. And so on. Well, it's the Ainsof as it can be revealed in the, the future world and so on, you know? Now, what is interesting about God is this. God could have created an infinite series of bubbles. Think about this. You know, an infinite amount of bubbles, no end, and each bubble is an entire creation. And no bubble has anything replicated in another bubble. I'm having enough trouble with this. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. Do not go out and blow bubbles after this. Again, let me tell you that. <clears throat> so the bubble is the totality of everything. And even ain't surfaces within the bubble, right? But we don't know. 
Is that all that God did? We have no idea. God never told us what He's doing. He could have created an infinite amount of bubbles, each one a total creation, and in any one bubble, there is no duplicate of any bubble with another bubble. There's no duplicate of anything in one bubble in an, to another bubble. All different. And the amazing thing about that is God has no previous experience. If you think about that. In other words, anybody who does something always is, is, is uh, borrowing into his experience, a painter. A painter has to create the reality he knows, right? And so on. <clears throat> or somebody who discovers something. He discovers something with materials that already exist, right? But there is nothing in the level of God that he can have experience from. You know what I'm saying? Yet he created a, a creation, this bubble, that is absolutely perfect without any experience you see and he could have made an infinite amount of bubbles which he may have you see as i will show you and nothing is duplicated in any other bubble that is the power of god which is we cannot even wrap our heads around what this means realities. what you can basically create reality exactly and no reality replicates duplicates or repeats anything in the other reality can you imagine what that is? That's his power, you see. Now, you're going to answer, okay, okay. I, I can see now an infinite amount of realities, each one different. But the interesting thing about it is, well, what about our reality? Does it have a name? Forget about the rest. We don't even know, right? Does our reality have a name? And the answer is, yes, it does. It has a name. You know what the name of this reality is? The name of this reality is Torah. See, you don't realize that Torah is the document that is everything in this bubble. That's why Chazal say, What do they mean? means turn it this way, turn it that way. Everything is in the Torah. Right? What does that mean? That means God created a document where he is it's like an architect. He, everything in the building is in that architectural plan, right? The architectural plan of this Bria is Torah. That's really what it is. You see? So is Torah beyond, beyond the bubble? No. no. The bubble. Torah is in the bubble. It is a complete description of, of the, the bubble. bubble, of this bubble. And the other bubbles have a different Torah? We don't know. We, we don't know, but there's no reason why God, and God never revealed what he's doing in his spare time. You <laughs> see, bubbles. you know, blowing bubbles, right? <laughs> That's right, you know. But the uh, Bible never told anybody, nobody knows what God is doing all the time, although the Gemara seems to say he's, he's putting, marriages. he's making marriages, yeah. Okay, good luck. Anyway, <laughs> but we, we don't really know you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, it's so all God says, listen, you know, as far as you're concerned, you only know this bubble, you know this Torah, and the Torah is a complete description of this bubble. And I explained how, because I gave two shurim, the greatness of Torah, right? The greatness of Torah, part one and part two, uh, maybe part three, and I explained uh, how, how that can happen and so on. But in any case, that's what the Torah really is. And that is why, if the Torah is missing a letter, it's puzzle. Why? Because it's not the total reality of the bubble. Something's missing. Even if it is one thing, you know. Okay. But it's missing. You see? 
<clears throat> so what we see now is uh, it's it's just, it's a, it's a very profound understanding of who the Bonshlam is. You see, and that that is why David Amelach says in Tehillim, "If you want to praise God, what's the greatest way to praise God? Silence. That's it. I just said Shimon Esrei. You know, David Amelach says, Loi to him." Silence is praise. Why? Because there's no vocabulary that in any way can describe anything about God. Because all the vocabulary is what? Is created. So that's not God, you know. So therefore the greatest praise you can offer God is utter silence. That's the greatest praise of all. You see? Okay. Then, you know, you can imagine everybody in shul, you know, just sitting there and looking at the wall and saying nothing. It's going to look rather odd, you know, uh, and so on. But, uh, but that's really what it is. Uh, and this is how we understand. Now, as far as we're concerned, remember, we cannot relate to God, whatever, whoever he is, atzmusoy, means whoever he is in his true self, whatever that is, you see. But we all relate to his representation of all, his greatest representation, which is called the Ein Soif. You see, but we can never know what the Ein Soif is because it's pure existence. What we can do is know in Mahabha, what we do is, I, I mentioned in the previous year, right, that what, what happens in Oilam Habba is very interesting, okay, is that the concept or the feeling of self begins to diminish, not to the extent where you disappear, because then you wouldn't experience anything, but where you begin to feel or experience God as the Ein Soif, what that means. Because your barrier to experiencing that is what's called self. Because everybody here has a, a feeling of self. That begins to diminish the feeling of self, and what replaces that is the Rabbanishlam. Now, we don't know how that works, we have no idea, which tells us a very interesting thing. Everything in this world right, has what's called degrees of variations. It's a degree. It has more or less, right? The only thing that does not have any degree is called existence. You either exist or you don't. <coughs> There's no such thing, well, I feel I'm existing more today, right? Of course not. There's no such thing. You can't exist more today. You know what I'm saying? It has no gradations. It has no degrees, you know? Do not confuse... I have a great feeling of well-being today. That you can have, you f just feel great, fine. But that's not existence. In Ulim Habo, right, you exist differently every day. You feel existence differently. Existence itself has a gr grades. Why? Because you are experiencing God. You are experiencing the Einzayv. And since that is pure existence, that's what you're experiencing. You see? Which is very interesting. <clears throat> so, we do not know what it means to exist more. We don't. Because as far as we're concerned, you have existence or you don't have existence. There's no more or less. There's just it is or it isn't. Right? But Oilam Habo is a degree of existence itself because the ain't self, which is existence, you're feeling it more and more. You see, and you're feeling less and less of yourself, 
But that's a good thing. It's not like you're disappearing. We, again, we don't know how it works. But the more you experience about the Rabbanisham, the greater is the feeling. Apparently that feeling is infinite. I always use the definition of the experience of Oilam Haba as what? As infinite bliss eternally. Right? And the greatest bliss of all is to experience being and to be more. So you know, I always love the army. You know, the army's got the saying, be all you can be. You know what I'm saying? Be all you can be, you know? It, that's true. That's Oilam Haba. You know, it doesn't mean you got to go join the army for Oilam Haba. But, uh, you know, it's if you could be more, exist more, the pleasure would be, we don't even know what kind of pleasure that is. And that way, and that is what happens in Ulam Habo, that there's a variation of degree of existence, which we do not know, and this is what happens. And I believe, Chazal say that really, when it says, the eye has never beheld. It says that everything that was prophesied by the prophets, right? Um, is will be experienced in Yemai Samashiach. But what will be experienced by the, you know, Ilam Habo, what is concealed for the Tzaddikim? Ainoi Rasa. The eye has never beheld what Ilam Habo is. Wait. And the reason for that is because Ilam Habo, right, is quanti qualitatively different. It's not an experience of something external to you. It is an experience of existence itself within you. And we have no idea what that means. And what is interesting is the term. It says, Ayin loy ruasa. The eye is never beheld. You, I think what, what the Chazal should have said is, Moyach loy maven. The mind cannot conceive of that. And the answer is, we can't conceive of it. We know what existence is because we exist, right? But we don't know what it means to have existence in different grades, degrees. We don't know. <coughs> you see? So we can have an understanding, but we don't know. We don't have no idea what kind of experience that is, you see? Uh, so therefore, that's really what Oilam Habo is. It's a place <coughs> where the Zulosoi, the self itself, diminishes to the extent where the existence of the Ain Soif, you feel more and more. And apparently that's an infinite climb. It, it apparently it goes on and on. Where he, you want, yeah. The question is, based on that, is it simply a psychological understanding on existence, what's going to be? Or is it, is it based on, 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 on some, some core? That no, it's not psychological at all. It's real. What? That existence is going to be what we're going to feel on Al Haba? What is just an understanding? Well, ask yourself, you know, what's the greatest good that God can do to you? Sleep in existence. Okay. To experience him. Experience. The greatest, if God, God says to you, I want to give you a gift, right? What's the greatest gift he can give you? Existence. Nothing beats it. To be is the greatest thing of all. Everything else is secondary. Think about that, right? That is the greatest gift of all, is being. You see? And that's what you get. You get being in spades. In Oilam Habo. 
but we have no idea what the experience is like. We don't know what it means. In fact, no being knows what it means. No malach knows what it means. Like it says, Ayin Ross was not just for us. The eyes never beheld. No malach has ever beheld that or experienced what it means to exist more or a greater degree. And what is interesting is that this, the uh, the Kabbalah says that the uh, the uh, upward climb in Oilam Habo, it's infinite. Never stops. We don't even know what that means. You see? But apparently, the, the whole experiencing of being itself can go on and on and on infinitely. and never ends. And that is what Oilam Habo is. Now, Oilam Habo is more than that. But I'm <coughs> saying at its core... That's what it is, you know, and so on. Yeah. So, would it be true that in Om Haba, the different gradations of existence, would it be different levels of the vacas? Yes. Correct. That's what it is. Which is why that <coughs> when they say that a certain a certain great kadosh or tzaddik has a certain Om and when they leave this world, you'll never see them again, because they'll have such a high level of the vacas, you, you can't <coughs> approach that. Well, you don't, yeah, I mean, you'll... Is that, uh, is that basically what the, the muscle is? Well, the state, well, let me just, the, the state that you experience in Ilam Habo is called Vekas, right? Uboi Sidbak, and in him you will cling, right? We know that, right? What is Vekas? Being attached to God. What is that supposed to mean? You know? When you attach yourself to God, you are experiencing an aspect of Him. What is the aspect of Him that you experience? That He is. That's why He's Yud I mentioned, right? I will be whatever that I will be. I am that I am. I am the aming. I'm the verb am. That's who I am. You want to know my name? You know what you know? I am the verb to be in the sentence of I am. And so on, you know? And that's the greatest thing about the Barnashtam. You know, there's nothing greater, you know, and that's what you experience. And that's Dvekas. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you're, 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 you're attached to, you know, uh, like God's, uh, He's got a pleasure waiting for you, you know, uh, whatever, you know, He's going to give you. <laughs> anyway, um, it's not that He's going to give you some type of external pleasure. You don't call that Dvekas. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's why you think about the childishness of so many religions. What awaits you in the future world, you know? Uh, you know, uh, whatever. Islam takes the cake on that, right? You know? <laughs> I, I didn't want to go into them, you know? But, uh, you know, but, but that, that's not God. Those are the, you know, the people waiting for me, the girls, whatever, right? But what is this? This is your conception of what Oilam Habba is? Yeah. You know what their conception of Oilam Habba is, right? It's this world without any restrictions. It's really what it is. Think about that. Because everybody wants to do that. Why not, right? So that's what it is. You know, there's no limitations, no restrictions, no boundaries. Enjoy. That's their concept, you know. But in Judaism, what does it have to do with external experiences? It's all about God. Dvekus. Uboi Sidbak. So then the question is, well, what's the Dvekus about? What do I get when I am attached to him? Right? And the answer is, there's an aspect of God which is incredible, and that is existence itself. And apparently, you can feel an infinite variety of this beyond belief. 
you know, uh, yeah, go ahead. I always thought self was our neshama. I'm, I think I heard tonight that self is part of like our bloodstream. Self is a, what is self that we have to reduce? I don't, I don't want to go there. Well, it's not part of it? No, I don't, because it's too... Is it the neshama? Yeah. I mean, neshama is a conduit. Of self? That you have with God. That's what, what the neshama is. The greatest conduit. Self? self is something that emerges from some other aspect and so on. We Although have the self. That, 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 that's an avoider. That's the avoider. But I don't, I don't want to go there. Anyway. Yes. You talk about the zulaso, the us, becoming less. Yes. At the same time that we exist more. How do I be less and, and exist more? It's a paradox. You're right. Okay. You're right. Uh, exactly. Because if I exist less, then how can I exist more? But apparently, we emanate from God. Right? I remember I once, I once said, it's like a cloud has a shape. The shape is us. We are really a tzur and a choymer. The Rabbani Shem is the choymer, the, the actual material, and the tzur, the shape, is us. But w wait a minute, the, the shape is not the cloud. The cloud has a shape, right? So the shape exists in the cloud, right? But it is a distinct being called a form. That's true. But it's not the cloud, right? So that's the same idea. The cloud is God. We are a shape in God. But the shape doesn't really exist independent of the cloud, you see. But in any case, as we exist less, we, we have less and less of self, we have more and more of Him. And that's the key to Dvekas, is to experience as much as we can of God, and uh, that experience is uh, beyond, just beyond comprehension. Nobody knows what it is, you know. And no angel knows, nobody knows. But we know one thing, the reality of the future world, which is Odom Kadmoin, is a reality which is different than this reality. It's not another reality like, like this, you know? It's like, well, I'm going to go to planet Mars. Well, Mars is a planet. You know, you can experience many similar things, right? No. Oilam Habo is a different reality that awaits us. But the reality of Oilam Habo is predicated on one being called God you know that's the key that is the overarching experience that's still in the bubble and that's all in the bubble it's amazing isn't it what God did is we cannot even begin to fathom I mean think about that you know what I mean um, you know, I, there are articles written you know somebody was describing a dragonfly uh, you know uh, it's beyond belief what a dragonfly can do go up, down, sideways, hover, it's be forward, back. It's beyond belief how it exists and so on, you know. I mean, it's a nothing creature. What is a little thing, you know? And this is only one creature. There are, scientists estimate there's probably a hundred million different species. Each one is perfect in terms of its life, how it exists, you know. Everything has, everything has, how in the world did he make this, you know? And, and from what book did he read? You know, there's no experiencing. You can't, like, read a book and, oh, and I know what to do. No, it's all an independent thinking, you know. And the beauty of it all, it's ecology. That's what scientists realize now is everything meshes together perfectly. And if they disturb one thing, guess what? Everything gets disturbed. How do you do that? How do you mix a hundred million different species? You know, and I'm not talking about a hundred million things. Remember, there are 7,000 species of ants. Species, not 7,000 ants. 
Anybody can testify to them. Just check out your backyard. Right? There are 300,000 different species of beetles. It's like an entomologist once said, God must have loved beetles because <laughs> he made so many. You know, <clears throat> 300,000 different species, not 300,000 beetles. There's billions of beetles all crawling in the ground and so on, you know. So how does the how does make 300,000? And each one is distinct. If you ever go to a museum, you see the different types of beetles. Horn beetles, it's like incredible. And the Russian made each one that can survive and sustain itself perfectly. You know, it's amazing. Where are those 300,000 different types though? But anyway, <clears throat> so there we are. This is, a, this is an understanding uh, in terms of who the Rabbanishlam is and so on. So it comes out at the fourth floor. What can you say? What can you say? It's we're speechless because I have removed God from all human speech, <coughs> from all human thinking. And even then, I don't really know. We don't really know anything. Uh, it's, uh, by our faith. Well, yeah, in, in the end, well, you live by your faith, you see. And then, then we understand why God is almighty, omnipotent, omniscient. I mean, all of this is really a joke to him. You know, what he could do, I mean, you know, for him to fight the Egyptians, it was like, excuse me, it's like you flying, uh, fighting a flea. It doesn't even make, it's, it, it's that's not even a good example. Because I once mentioned, God has to create the opponent so the opponent can exist, and then he can fight God. You know? I mean, what, what kind of a, a capacity is that of an opponent to fight God when God has to give life to the opponent, existence to the opponent in the first place, you know? That's why the Bosham is a Yichud Mitzi Usoi, right? He is the only thing that exists. Therefore, Yichud Shlitosoi, he is the only force. Ein koyach acher. There is no other force. Nothing. You see? And therefore, Yichud Han Hagosoi. The direction that God wants this world to go must go in that direction. That's what God wants. There's no way to defy His will unless He allows you to defy His will, but then that's part of the plan. But that defiance is in agreement with what He wants. So therefore, God is the ultimate uh, uh, uniqueness. Uh, in that in that sense, you know. Okay, look, I hope I've given some type of understanding. It was an abstract sheer. I would suggest that you really review it several times. But remember one thing. When God says, Ki Hashem that the Lord your God loves you, it's infinite love. Infinite. Whether He feels it or not, doesn't make a difference. He loves you more than your mother, your wife, your kids, and anybody else who professes to love you. Right? That, that's, what, that's really the main thing. That's important to understand. Doesn't make a difference if he experiences love. Doesn't make a difference. Nobody can match his love for you. Period. And the second thing is that when you pray, he may have a representation called the Ainsoif, but believe me, you're praying to him wherever he is. And that's why the Malachim say, right? where, where is his Malachim? Where is he? You know, we know he is, we feel existence in us, but we have no idea where he is. You know? And, and that's what it is. We have no idea where, but wherever, wherever he is, he's there with you, totally. 
and he's totally aware of what you are, what you need, and all he wants is one thing, that you should be an ulama haba. That's the only thing he wants, which is very comforting, by the way, right? Uh, and, and that's what he wants. He wants, he wants uh, you know, the Jewish people, certainly, and even a lot of mankind, to be in the future world, experiencing the future world. That's it. Wow. Shukran, shukran. says, What was that? Torah Yeah, in the bubble. Just in this bubble? That's it. What are they saying? Well, we don't know what else he's doing. What's Rama giving these 13 Ikram for? Just in a bubble? Yeah, of course. It's, it's the Bria. That's the Bria. The, in other words, there will not be nothing. In other words, like the, the, nothing will change in this Bria. That's what it means. And, you know, and, the, and the, the, the description of that is the Torah. I mean, there won't be another Torah. The Torah is a description of this bubble, and that's all. It will never change. Nothing will be altered from what he made. Everything was created on the first day. Then it emerged over these six or seven, right? That's what it means. But do not think that this is all that God did. He has never revealed to anybody. Now, I don't know what he did. Maybe. But there's no... <clears throat> what? Maybe. Maybe what? Maybe there's no other bubbles, maybe there's no other bubbles. Yeah, maybe there is none. I don't know. I'm not saying there is, but don't think that he couldn't do an infinite amount of bubbles. That's what I'm saying, right? You know, I have no idea. And nobody knows. Nobody. I mean, and the Mashiach doesn't know whoever he will be. Mashiach Abeno didn't know. Malachim don't know. Nobody knows. You know, they don't know the totality of what God does. Nobody. If we can't conceive his true essence... We can't conceive of what he would do? No. We can't even conceive it. No, like I said, he can create an infinite amount of bubbles, no bubble in any way replicating any other bubble. You have any idea what kind of creativity that is? No, you don't. <laughs> it's beyond, it's, we cannot conceive of that kind of, we cannot conceive of that type of creative mind. That's it. So the next time you pray to the Rabbana Shalom, just remember, you know, who you're praying to, you know, and that uh, it's not a being that you can even conceive and he can do whatever he wants. There's nothing beyond him, you know, and so on. Just, you know, and, and, he, and, he, and he hears your prayer, obviously. How he does it is his business, but he does. So if you're praying at that level where you're not, where, with that intention, with that in mind, God being beyond the bubble, um, <clears throat> you, you sort of approach speechlessness and you can't really. Uh, no, you. Am can't. I right? You can't really say anything anymore. Well, well, in, in a technical, like I say, you know, to him praise is silence, right? But look, you know, but God has adapted relative to us a whole personality, so we need His. Rahmanas, we need his mercy and his kindness. That's what he does. As far as we're concerned, it's real. You know, just the reality you live in is real to you. That's all. I'm just disclosing the fact that, you know, nothing is real in the sense to God. It's all created, you know. As far as we're concerned, like I told you, remember I said that two weeks ago, whatever. I said, you can't sit in the middle of a highway and say, wait a minute, nothing is real anyway, right? So that truck barreling down on me isn't real, so why do I have to move out of the way, right? And the answer is because a relative truck can kill a relative person. 
It's all relative. It means within our reality, you know, it'll kill you. That's it. <laughs>